Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. We are nearing the 30s, which means we are nearing a very big run-in. Um, pretty good week this week compared to the last couple. A uh, bit of a break from the Premier League doom and gloom. We had an FA Cup game, uh, fifth round, looking to make our second straight quarterfinal. And uh, we, we did all right. So we'll be covering that. In uh, this week's episode, we've got five stories, uh, as always. Well, as always, as of late, uh, we're doing a five stories of the week uh, template. And this is what we've got. Um, so we'll start at story number five. Uh, story number five is the uh, t- season ticket pricing. Um, it was a bit of a slow news week this week. <laughs> um, and you'll see that I had to innovate a little bit in this in this segment. Um, so... Brighton of Albion, they announced their season ticket pricing. Uh, renewal period runs until Wednesday, 13th of March. So if you are one of those Albion fans looking to renew, get on it. Uh, looks like it's gone to £535 a season for adults, uh, £365 for under 21s and over 65s, 145 quid for anyone under 18, and £90 for under 10s. Um, I'll be honest, I've not really seen uh, the season ticket prices in the past. Um purely because I've never been in a position to own one. Um, when we opened up at the Amex, I didn't live close enough to Brighton to really make it viable, so most of my games were away. Um, and then when I moved over to the States, obviously, a couple of years ago, there's no point in me having one. Um, but looking at these prices, just purely just to, to shoot the breeze here, um, I'm really quite impressed by the £90 and the £145. Um, to to price a season ticket at 145 pound or 90 pound all season for under 18s and under 10s that's really pretty good um i'm really quite pleased with that uh we're looking at getting more and more youngsters in to begin a new generation of rbm fans and my goodness is that a good way to do it um I have been asking around a lot of people in a lot of places to try and work out what the percentage increase was for the season tickets this year, and I have struggled. Uh, I know I've spoke to a couple of people that actually went from an under-21 to an adult, so that was a bit of a steep hit for them. Um, But I actually didn't get to speak to anybody who was an adult uh, to work out exactly how many the percentage increase was. So if anybody can tell me exactly what that ad- that what that is this week uh, after listening to the show, I would love to know just how much the uh, the price hike is. Um, but for most people, it seems like it's like maybe a 5 to 10% increase, uh, maybe even not that much. So, you know, I think if you want to get on there, get on there. Um, 95% renewal, new, renewal rate over the past two seasons. And I'll be honest, I think I'm I'm on the actually the waiting list uh, <laughs> because I anticipate moving back to the UK uh, at some point soon. And um, yeah, I'm, I think I am one of the 8,000 people on the waiting list. I got on there preemptively because I knew that uh, when I get, went back, I would be in a good spot to start going obviously um so yeah fair play to the 8000 supporters that are on the waiting list fun fact that we didn't even have 8000 capacity at the Withdean so what a uh, what a journey that's been to go from <laughs> to go from barely filling 6000 seats in a crappy little running track and we now just have a waiting list alone of 8000 fans wanting to get in on the action so pretty cool um again big shout out to the club for the really cheap prices for the under 18s and under 10s um again i don't know how that compares to the um 
to the other clubs in and around us uh, in the Premier League. But regardless, just looking at it in a vacuum, I think they're really good prices. And when you compare them to something like the NFL or the any of any of the big sports over here, like you, you would be uh, you would have zero percent chance of getting prices that reasonable. So fair play. Um, story number four. Story number four is our injury list. Um, it looks like we may have more injuries than we first thought, which sucks a little bit. Um, we had a bunch of people drop out yesterday. <laughs> this is recording on Sunday. We had Davey Propov run out due to illness. I believe Dunk was out due to illness. Um, Murray's out. He's got a calf injury, I believe they said. Um, Izquierdo's only just coming back. Uh, and there's a couple of players that, you know, you've got to ask questions about too. Dale Stevens had a knock two weeks ago, I think, and looked incredibly unfit last week when he played, and questions are probably being asked there as to just if he's okay, if he can continue. Um, Solly March and Pascal Gross haven't looked themselves for a while now. Um, I'm not sure whether that's a case of separate issues there. Gross... Oh, excuse me. Gross... Um... Gross, I think, is probably more due to the 4-3-3 as being asked to play in. Um, but March was hurt, I believe, at some point a couple of weeks ago, just when he was getting into the number 10 role. Um, and he's not really been the same since he came back. Even on the right, when he plays well, he just looks off. Um, Cuton and co. have always been very careful about our injury list and talking about how deep that injury list is. So it would be interesting to see how many of our players in the summer... Um, depending on our Premier League fate, uh, spend some time out. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see a couple of players going in for surgeries that we didn't know they needed. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, with Murray possibly out, um, it's going to be interesting. Leicester's coming around the corner. Um, we'll talk about this in our in our other in another news story as well. But you know, Leicester's coming. We're ten days away from Leicester away, um, and then quite comfortably the biggest month of the year with March, um, with all the games we have there. So it's going to be interesting to see how we do, and it's going to be interesting to see which of these players can see it through to the end of the season. Uh, we will have to wait and see. As I said, slow news week, so those top two weren't exactly the uh, the most indulging stories. But we've got story number three. Now, this is where I've had to innovate because, like I said, this really was a slow news week. We had a couple of, like, an under-23 game where we beat Manchester City 1-0, but, and I thought that was really quite newsworthy until I realised that Manchester City's... Uh, youth team really aren't all that which is kind of shocking really you would expect them to be a really quality team but they're they're not um obviously a great result and we did the double over them <laughs> this season so it's a shame we can't do that in the premier league but yeah other than that and the women's football uh there really wasn't a lot going on so what i decided to do was i asked around uh to people who are newer brighton fans more than anything and asked them for ideas on things i could include um in my top five story of the week, any lists, any uh, history lessons, anything you would like. And I got a, a good one through, and it was really that sometimes I will name drop people from the past, from Albion's past, and people, uh, Brighton fans who are much newer to the club, don't know who they are. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people listen to this in their car um, and when they're traveling and they may not have time to do a quick Google on who they are. So I decided that today I'm going to give us, uh, and this is just my opinion, of course, in the opinion of your, 
your favorite broadcaster here at Together BHA. Um, the most notable slash talked about names from the year 2010 onwards. Who they are, what they did, and why they still get talked about. This is the non-players edition. I'm going to do the players edition at some point in the future, depending on how slow the news weeks get. Uh, with it being a 10-day gap between now and next week, I think it's going to be a brilliant week to do it because <laughs> there's not really going to be any games to cover. Um, so this week is non-players. Um, and we will start with the person A. Person A, Sammy Huppier. Sammy Huppier was a Liverpool legend, uh, frankly. He was... An absolutely unbelievable player for them. He won outrageous amounts of things for them. Uh, I think 318 appearances for Liverpool, 22 goals. He's a centre-half. Um, he has won an absolute plethora of honours. Um, he's won the FA Cup twice. He won the League Cup twice. He's won the Champions League, UEFA Cup, Super Cups. Uh, he's been in the UEFA Team of the Year, uh, Premier League Player of the Month, Finnish Footballer of the Year, a million times <laughs> uh, PFA team of the year um, Bundesliga team of the season the guy's been all in absolutely everything um, and the reason he's one of our most talked about people in the non-players area um, is because he was Brighton manager um, from June the 6th uh, to 22nd of December 2014. Um, when he came in, he came from Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, at Bayer Leverkusen, he was in charge from the 1st of April to the 24th of June. No, he was... <laughs> sorry. He was in charge from the 1st of April 2012 until the 5th of April 2014. Um, in that time, he played 92 games, uh, won 50 of them, um, had a really good win rate, 52-odd percent. Um, and really, there was... When he came into the Albion, we were there was a lot of very good... Um, very good feelings about him when he first came in. There were some sneaky little questions about just how, um, just how good was he compared to the reality, but purely because um, he also had Sasha Lewandowski um, working closely with him. And the question was, how much of this performance from Leverkusen is uh, a product of Huppia and how much is it a product of Sasha? And when he came over to us, uh, we were really excited about him. We thought he would be uh, the exact perfect replacement. Um, uh, young, international, superstar level, um, you know, reputation for what he did. And uh, he was an absolute mess. Um, he was, like I said, 6th of June to the 22nd of December. He didn't see out a season. He resigned on the 22nd of December. Uh, he played 26 games. Uh, played. He managed 26 games for the Albion and only won six of them. Prior to this, we had had three seasons where we were in the playoffs or there and thereabouts, unlucky not to go up to the Premier League. Um, and we had won six, drawn 10, lost 10. Um, win rate percentage of 23%, which is really embarrassing compared to the team that, well, you know, the team he inherited was a playoff team. And he was awful. Um, he played this horrible system of having his uh, fullbacks super high up. Um, and the football was so dull. He, he he said he would be really attacking and really fun. And all he did was look like he wanted to be attacking, but just got tore apart defensively all the time. Um, it was bad. 
It was really, really bad. So whenever anybody wants to talk to you about uh, Sammy Hupia, um, they will probably be rolling their eyes with it um, because he really hasn't done anything useful for the Albion. And uh, he was a reason for... Well, that's not true. The useful thing he did do um, was bringing in Chris Hutton because he was his replacement that dragged us out of that relegation problem. Um, most fun stat for him, uh, of his six wins... In his 26 games, three of them came in cup ties. So prior to him leaving, we had only won three games in the league that year. Uh, Yeah, absolutely atrocious. So uh, we'll go to the next one. Um, That's one of our top five most talked about people since 2010. And number two is uh, a bit of a different different person altogether. That's Oscar Garcia. Um, Oscar Garcia, I believe from most people, um, I've never really heard a bad word about him from the Albion fans. Um, I loved him. He was an incredibly likable manager. Um, he inherited a team that were very good, um, and he did very well with them. Um, there are a couple of players that were getting older and a couple of key players that may have not been so thorough, but, you know, he came in and he did a great job, uh, he came in on the 26th of June 2013 and left on the 12th of May 2014. Um, he played, played, he managed uh, 53 games, uh, won 21 of them, drawn 16, lost 16. Uh, we made it to the playoffs with him. Um, the famous Ujoa header away at Forest to secure us that playoff spot in the last game of the season. Um, I had a job interview that day. Um, I'd got tickets to the game and had a job interview for that day, so couldn't go. And I was gutted when I got home and watched the game. I turned off all social media, my phone and everything. Um, and we were playing Nottingham Forest at Forest the last game, last game of the season, and we needed to win to go into the playoffs. And we scored in the with the very last kick of the game, effectively. Uh, Ujoa headed the ball in. And there was absolutely pandemonium. Um, And it really was one of the most iconic scenes of the last couple of years, really, prior to the promotion. Um, But yeah, Oscar Garcia played a nice nice game of football. Um, Wasn't quite as obnoxious as Poyets, which is what we'll get to shortly, of course. Um, But for the most part, he really did well. Um, He, you know, he... We don't really know why he resigned. Um, He resigned at the end of the year. Um, he was very unfortunate to lose to Derby in the in the semi-finals um, when we lined up against them at Derby. I believe our back four uh, were almost every single one of them were out of position due to the amount of injuries we had. Um, and really, I'm kind of gutted that he left. Uh, I think most people at the time weren't very happy about it. And yeah, we still never know why he left. Um, there, was a, there was personal reasons stated and all this sort of stuff, but I don't think he ever really had a bad reputation with anybody. We all seem to love him. So I'm sure that if we ever talk about, you ever hear uh, fans talk about Asco Garcia, I doubt it will be in a bad way. Um, and he's some he was some player too. Uh, <laughs> he made a lot of appearances for Barcelona, uh, won La Liga four times, um, Cup Winners Cup, Copa del Rey, Super Cups. Um, he was quite the player, so and quite the manager. Um, I believe he's currently at Olympiacos. Um, so you know he's doing all right. I'm not sure what his uh, not sure what he's doing. <laughs> um, 
in fact, I'm just reading it now. It looks like he was let go um, due to the amount of shit show that's going on at Olympiacos, which doesn't surprise me because they're a Greek club and they're all nuts. Um, so we'll move on to player, player. manager number three um, because there's a couple of managers, a couple of other people of interest. Um, Gus Poyet. Now, he is the most uh, polarizing figure of recent Albion history. Uh Chelsea legend, 105 appearances at Chelsea, 36 goals, was quite the midfielder, uh, played seven years at Zaragoza, incredible record over there, um, was really quite the player, um, Uruguayan. He was the assistant manager to Dennis Wise at Swindon Town and Leeds United. Dennis Wise uh, was, is a uh, odious little human being um, that played for Chelsea as well at the same time, um, and a lot of people insisted that the reason Dennis Wise was successful was because Gus Poyet allowed him to be. Um, and it turned out to be pretty much spot on for his time at Brighton. Um, Brighton of Albion came into when we hired Poyet, um, we brought him in in November, 10th of November, 2009. Um, let me see who we left him off for. I believe it was Russell Slade we, we fired. Anyway, 10th of November 2009, uh, we announced him as the new manager um, on a one-and-a-half-year contract just to see how we could do. Um, former Tottenham teammate and future Albion legend Mauricio Tarico was also announced as Poyet's assistant manager. Um, he quite comfortably uh, steered us to safety that year. It was the year that Russell Slade was fired. I'm almost sure of it. Um and his opening game of the season where, that he played uh, was against Southampton. Um, funnily enough, we both went up the following year, I believe, um, and we won 3-1. Um, he started the 2010 season. Uh, he made quite a few signings that ended up being uh, instrumental in our future development. Gordon Greer, who ended up making God knows how many appearances for us. Uh, Kishishev, who really put in a good shift for us. Liam Bridcut, who again ended up going down if he hadn't gone out such a such a dick he probably would be an albion legend uh matt sparrow who really did a great thing for us at that level casper ankergren who was an incredible signing at that level and the now burnley striker ashley barnes um he also signed a four-year contract that year with his assistant manager um and the the football and the the football and the the atmosphere that Poyet generated at the Albion was one that I've never seen since. Um, his season, first season, full season in start in charge, started five wins from the first eight games, put us top of the league. Uh, five nil home win on New Year's Day against Leighton Orient. Um, run of straight eight straight league victories in March. Uh, Thirteen points clear at the top with games in hand on all their closest rivals. Um, Southampton were in the league that year and they were expected to walk the league. Uh, it's quite funny. It's also the same year that Nigel Adkins, uh, Southampton's manager at that, that point in time, um, was on record saying that he wasn't very worried about Brighton um, as it would be more of a question of can we keep up? Um, and the question was answered by the fact that we beat them and won the league with at a canter. Um, we beat Walsall. Uh, 3-1 on the 16th of April in 2011. Um, I was there. I was on the pitch. Um, and we beat them to win promotion. Um, we 
were top from the eighth game of the season, I believe. And I believe that was the game that Francisco Sandatza, a uh, striker, Spanish striker that we signed that season, scored against Oldham to put us top. And we never looked back. Um, we had four games to play. Um, and we, yeah, we, we won the league at a canter. Um, and it was quite wonderful to know that after we won the league against Walsall, um, we then had to play... Uh, Southampton the following week and they had to give us a guard of honor out which was hilarious because Adkins really didn't like us very much a um, couple of other major performances that season uh, Peterborough away um, also known as the nightmare on London Road for them because their manager at the time also said that we should classify it as their cup final um, and we battered them 3-0 I believe Ashley Barnes scoring a goal or two um, he scored a penalty at my end uh, we were down there that was one of the best games I've probably ever been to. Um, yeah, Poyet won League One Manager of the Year for his achievements in 2010-2011. Um, and that was his first full season as a football manager. And every question around Dennis Wise had been answered. Uh, Poyet was the real deal. We then went up to the championship and things were in full swing. Um, we broke the transfer record fee for us twice. Uh, signed Will Buckley and Craig McHale-Smith. Um, also brought in Spain and Valencia playmaker Vicente on a free transfer. He will be the subject of a list in the future. Um, after an unbeaten start to the 2011-12 season, um, he was named Championship Manager of the Month for, for August. Um, signed another five-year contract that year. Um, just absolutely bossed it. Um, we made it to the... Chris on. The 2012-2013 season, we made it to the uh, playoff semifinals and got beat by Palace. That is something that we would hear about uh, probably still now. We still hear about that. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes on that game. And Poirier was was suspended after it. Um, he could not guarantee whether he was remained at the club. Um, and we decided to terminate him on the 23rd of June with immediate effect. Um, he left on a real sour note and he claims he was fired on live TV and there was a lot of drama around it. And really he's never been the same since. Um, he had a 44.33% win rate with us. Um, and really was whether you love him or hate him an Albion legend, um, and ever since then, he never was the same. Um, he went to Sunderland and they fell off a cliff. He was at Batiste and they were awful. He was at uh, Shanghai in China and was crap. Um, he went to Bordeaux and was okay at Bordeaux, but it looks like he didn't make it there either. Um, I believe he was, he was angry of a sale, I think, which was pretty much the classic Gus Poyet move. Um, and that was the end of his reign. So there you go. There's Gus Poyet. Uh, forever an Albion legend, whether you love him or hate him. And that's that. We've got two more to go. Um, and then we will get on to the final two stories of the week. This might be a bit of a longer episode than normal. Um, so number two is Dick Knight. And he really fell out of Albion folklore. Well, not folklore, because he's still in Albion folklore. But he fell out of uh, Albion discussion in 2009, really. It's the last time he was involved. Um, but... I'm including him on here purely because it was so close and person number one uh, is so... They, they go hand in hand. Uh, Dick Knight, English businessman and former chairman of Brian O'Barbian, uh, he held that post from 1997 to 2009. He is an Albion fan. Uh, 
and he is the one, he is the saviour. Um, he took control in 1997, having led the fan pressure to oust the previous board following their sale of the Goldstone ground. Um, and he really dragged us back from the from the brink amongst, well, him amongst others. Um, you know, he was the saviour for us. He was the reason we are still here, um, or at least the figurehead for why we're still here. And... Maybe we'll do an episode on him. Uh, maybe we'll do a segment on him purely on his own um, at some point. But he is the reason we have uh, the pub inside the stadium as Dick's Bar. Um, he is the reason why we are here still today. And it leads nicely on to person number one, and that's Tony Bloom. Um, <laughs> Tony Bloom is our current owner. Uh, he is also a professional poker player um, and has a crap ton of money and property and other things like that around Australia and wherever else. He is a very astute man and you don't really know where he is in terms of money. <laughs> he is incredibly good at his job uh, playing poker. He wins lots of things. And uh, yeah, since 2009, he's been the chairman for Brighton. He is... I believe he's a 75% shareholder, um, spent £93 million uh, in development of the club's new ground, the Amex that we call home right now at Falmer. Um, we have, you know, we've put a bunch of money into that stadium to make it Premier League ready. He is a lifelong Brighton fan. He is a lifelong football fan. And the Blooms are a long, lifelong Brighton family name. Um, so, you know, the person that we were selling it to could be no better. Um, he is the man who brought in Gus Poyet. He is the man who brought in Oscar Garcia. He is the man who brought in, for all his faults, Sammy Hopia. Um, he, he is... Dick Knight is our saviour, and Tony Bloom is our... I don't even know how to describe him. Um, he is the reason that we are as good as we are right now. Um, again, I might do a separate topic just on... The, the, revol the evolution of the Albion over the last 20 years. Um, but Tony Bloom has really changed us from a team that have always been a League 2 or a League 1 team in my lifetime to a Premier League team. And the amount of money and the amount of time and the amount of love he's put into this club um, is just unbelievable. And yeah, if you ever see him, because he does travel with the fans on the regular, shake his hand, thank him for everything he's done, um, because he is an Albion legend, forever will be, and he'll probably be he'll probably be the owner for a long, long time, um, unless somebody comes up with some Arab money uh, or some oil money. <laughs> I don't expect him to do anything but stay in charge of the Albion. Um, so yeah, that's my top five. Uh, we have. Again, Sammy Hopia, we have Oscar Garcia, Gus Poyet, Dick Knight, and Tony Bloom. Um, and like I said, I think I'm going to go into a bit more depth for Dick Knight and Tony Bloom in the future. But for now, we're really getting on a bit, so I'm going to move on. And obviously, the next thing to move on to is Derby. Um, I'm pretty happy with this one because we don't have a huge amount to go through in terms of bad or ugly. <laughs> but we do have something, so we will get cracking, but we'll start with the good as always. Needed a drink to refresh these vocal cords. All right, the good. The good is winning and scoring at home for a start. <laughs> um, the team was also a strong one. Um, we had a number of people drop out due to illness, and I think really only Matt Ryan and March looked to be the ones rested um, 
intentionally. And I'm glad we did it. Uh, it was definitely necessary to power a proper team. Um, I believe only Dunk and uh, I think Dunk went out hurt, um, was ill. I think that Proper was definitely ill. Um, there was a couple of others that just weren't quite right. Murray had a knock, as we know. So, yeah. Um, and our ability to win the ball was really a big big difference maker and and it tends to be uh every time we win at home is our ability to press and win the ball um derby had more possession than we did uh 53 percent but we dispossessed them 16 times to our eight um and the majority of their passes were in the middle or third or their own third um they really didn't threaten much at all their key player uh that i'd seen on forums and twitter and all this sort of stuff marriott uh Widely considered a top player and one that would uh, win a game for them and probably was the reason that they would do well. Started on the bench yesterday. Uh, once he came on, he was dispossessed six times alone. Uh, um, he had absolutely nowhere to go. We totally nullified him from the minute he got on the pitch. Um, and we game-planned them out of the game. And the, the gulf in quality between the Championship and Premier League has never been more apparent. Um... And we it was, it was really earmarked by some quality performances on display yesterday. Um, I thought that Knockart was brilliant. <laughs> Scored a goal, obviously. Uh, five shots, four on target. Key pass. 94% pass accuracy as a winger. Um, helped Bruno when he needed him to come back. Um, you know, he's been decent in his substitution displays lately, I think. I think he showed a lot of uh, get up and go. And, you know, I think he would... I think he has every right to be disappointed if he cannot get a start against Leicester. Um, I think he's played his way back into the team. Um, and I think that he has every reason to be disappointed if Solly March beats him out of that position um, in 10 days' time. Uh, I thought Lacardia played well too. Got a goal, had good hold-up play. Um, say what you will about him, and I know there has been a lot said. <laughs> um, believe me, we've talked about that a few times. But if nothing else... Uh, I think that Jürgen Lucardia will definitely be um, a comfortable starter in the championship. Um, possibly a 4-4-2 with him and Andone or Murray. Uh, Murray. Um, you know, not to look forward that way in terms of us going down, but it is true. He, he, was, an, he was very good. He was very good at what he did yesterday um, against Derby's back four. Um, and that's a team that are looking for promotion. So I think that we can be encouraged by what he performed, uh, what he did in that performance. Um, just the only sad drawback is that it looks like he's probably out for the rest of the season because the ankle injury looked pretty severe. Um, so we will be having to delve into a couple of extra plans there because I don't think he'll be playing again this year. And of course, uh, my man of the match is Bissouma. Um, it shouldn't come as a shock to many of you. Um, he was absolutely brilliant yesterday, um, quickly becoming one of my favorite players along with his Kiedo. Uh, the one drawback, he had six shots yesterday and only one on target. Um, his his shots are high, wide, and not so handsome at the best of times. Um, but the way he ran the ball in the midfield was ridiculous. Um, he was just unbelievable. He bossed the game from start to finish. And if you watch the game back, um, I didn't watch the full game, but I watched the highlights back at some point because it was on ESPN. Um, and every time Basuma got the ball, if you go back and watch it, you can see the Derby players take about three steps back just out, just out of instinct um, because they knew shit was going to hit the fan. And 
he did pick out great passes. Um, his his first intentional assist was unbelievably great. That that low pass straight back to Knockart was fantastic. Um, was incredibly unfortunate not to get on the score sheet himself with the shot off the post for Lacardia to just tap in. Um, but, you know, two assists are two assists. Whether he meant one or not, it's still an assist. Um, and he took a pretty good free kick low under the wall. Um, he's capable of something different. He is an really enigmatic playmaker um and to me he should just in my opinion uh be one of the first names on the team sheet for the rest of the season i think he provides something different i think he provides something uh new and unique and i think that he should be getting a game every single week i think he could be the difference at times um from a loss or a draw to extra points so really impressed with him um and let's scoot through the bad because there's not a lot of it um and story number one is probably going to have to be a quick one here um the bad i thought button had a dodgy game again today yesterday uh he looked really shaky um it looked just like his first game when ryan went his confidence seemed absolutely gone um flapped at a couple of balls an absolutely horrific punch out right near the end that could have ended up conceding as a goal um he really just didn't have a very good game uh Something to look at, you know, people complaining about Matt Ryan the last couple of weeks and saying that they should put Button back in. How do you feel now? Not sure you'd be agreeing with your own self from two weeks ago that Button should have set kept his place because uh, he was awful. Um, well, not awful, but it wasn't great. Um, Ali Razor was disappointing. The jury is well and truly still out on your handbatch. Um it may have been because Knockart was so involved in the game, but he only had 25 touches to Anthony Knockart's 60-plus. Um, he really struggled to get involved. Uh, when he did get the ball, he looked a lot more threatening than before his injury, but he just... You don't often see him take on a single player, um, and he needs to... It may be a confidence thing, maybe it's not, but I would like to see him get a run of games. Um, if his Kiedo isn't fit... Uh, I think he needs to get a run of games, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do, but he was quiet, um, didn't really do much at all. And the ugly, uh, the ugly was the last 10 minutes, and we'll go through this real quick, because thankfully we didn't lose, um, but goodness we were poor in that last 10, and we allowed all the pressure on ourselves, we gave them 82% possession, um, obviously we conceded a goal, um, we looked all over the place, and we would have been lucky to win in the Premier League, um, I think in the Premier League, it's absolutely um, a 1-1, a 2-2 draw instead of a 2-1 win. Um, so we can class that as a definite bullet dodged. Story number one. We're finally here. Um, and let's get cracking because we're at 34 minutes, which is uh, a lot. Well, not a lot higher, but higher than normal. So story number one is uh, Leicester in the 10-day break. Um, we now have a 10-day break. The rumours are that we're going to be going on warm weather training. Um, just from anecdotal evidence that I did some Googling on just before this uh, podcast, uh, warm weather breaks tend to result in good results when teams get back from them. Um, I went through maybe six different ones, um, and generally their win rates go up pretty significantly after warm weather training, both. Uh, I mean, I was looking at anyone from Manchester City to Middlesbrough, um, so obviously we would expect Manchester City to do very well. 
regardless because they're Manchester City. But even some of the worst teams, after doing some warm weather training, actually did pretty well uh, compared to before. So maybe that is the, the mental reset some of these players need. Um, not sure where they're going. I think maybe Dubai is where they're headed. Um, but, you know, there's a break now. There's 10 days between now and the following Tuesday when we play Leicester away. Um, and we are in a very good spot to help our injuries come back from being the way they are. Um, and really, it's a good chance for Hutton to decide what he wants to do and whether he does want to go back to his 4-4-1-1. I hope he does, obviously. Um, it's a fantastic 10 days for his Kiedo to use to get fit and ready to go. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him at least on the bench at Leicester if, if there's no more complications. Uh Again, it's another it's another ten days for these players like Yahan Baksh and Ryan to get reintegrated. Um, it's another good opportunity for some of the youth players, Gaia Kares, uh, to get involved, considering that Murray may be hurt and Donay suspended, Locardia definitely hurt. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how what the hell happens there because if Murray is more hurt than we realise, then Gaia Kares may be leading the line um, on that Tuesday before Andone's back. So we have a lot of reasons for positivity um over the next 10 days so please enjoy the break uh enjoy your free weekend next weekend um and really let's just focus on coming back better than ever against Leicester um see how this 10 day training goes and this warm weather training goes and how their attitude look after that uh, away at Leicester but also remember that, you know, Leicester away is not the be-all and end-all. We have several home games over the next couple of weeks that are far more important. And let's not all drop our heads if we get beat at Leicester, um, because it's kind of expected to lose at Leicester. Uh, let's focus on Huddersfield and a couple of other big home games after that. Um, they're the ones we need to win. So... Have a good week. Have a good weekend next weekend. Um, I will record an episode, although what's going to be on it, I'm really not sure. Um, and we will, yeah, we'll reconvene next week. Have a good week. And again, if you need anything from me at Together BHA, you want to br bring together any thoughts, feelings, concerns, bring them my way. Um, other than that, have fun, be safe, and see you next week. <laughs>